Should Hikaru Shida be leading AEW's women's division? Do we or do we not need a title change? And I'll be honest with you guys, I've been scrolling through Twitter and I keep on getting these annoying ads and what the hell is this? Are you tired of the same old stereotypes that have come with all great sport of professional wrestling? Well, I'll be damned! Hi there, Mark Markson here, and as far as I've known, as far as I've grown up, I've seen that the whole world has been using them candlesticks as a foreign object. Now, in these hard times, I understand that in order to get ourselves more acquainted with the colloquial understandings, we should better provide products like the worldly weapon. The worldly weapon is like a traditional candlestick, but with the strength of the universe's unified continental crust. Now, I know what you're thinking. Mark, you're being a mark. There's no way that we could have made something stronger than a Steve Blackman kendo stick or stronger than a Hikaru Shida kendo stick. And so, allow me to provide some testimony. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. Now, I know what y'all are thinking. Is this FDA approved? So what are you waiting for? Order now and get yourself a worldly weapon wherever you are around the world. So now, don't you dare be sour. Clap your hands and feel stop. the... Jesus Christ, I gotta stop looking through Twitter. Also, what was I supposed to be doing? Wasn't I meant to record an intro for this bit? On this week's episode of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast, we'll be discussing the current AEW Women's World Champion, Hikaru Shida. One of my thoughts on her current world title run. Do I think she should drop the belt? And where on earth will she go next? So for now, tell your friends, tell your friendliest friends, tell them all about this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. I need to think of something better for skits, because... Oof, that could have gone better. I'll be honest, that could have been a lot funnier. So, moving on from that. Today's episode, if you couldn't already tell, is on the AEW Women's Division. Because, why not at this point? It's been probably AEW's weakest part, overall. And, to some, you can argue argue it's the whole women's division as a whole. Or maybe you can argue it's an individual wrestler. In this case, you could argue maybe it's Hikaru Shida. Now, do I believe this? No. I think Hikaru Shida is honestly the best babyface champion that they have in terms of like carrying the world title at this point. There isn't really anyone else maybe apart from Big Swole uh, Chris Statlander, if she was still there. That would kind of be my best guess, 
but Hikaru Shida is kind of an interesting point. Because I feel like there is nobody else who you can really have in that position. When you look at the rest of the talent that's currently on the roster, there isn't really anyone who works well with a lot of the newer talent. Like, there's... The way that I look at AEW's women's division is that it doesn't really have a lot of experienced talent. And that isn't a knock on any of them. I feel like there are a lot of diamonds in the rough who haven't quite found their footing yet. Like, they're getting exposure, which is definitely what's needed. But they haven't really found a good way of perfectly synchronizing it. And, you know, there's there's potential in the roster. I think you can look at Anna Jay as someone who we'll talk about later. Uh, Abaddon. Um, who else? Uh, specifically... Chris Statlander. Actually, Chris Statlander isn't really new, but you get my point. There's... There's a bunch of talent who I think you could really build around, but they haven't really given them enough TV time to really fully establish it. So, the focus of this main episode, of course, like in any other episode, is booking Hikaru Shida for this week. What views will she go on to do? And, potentially, who could be the person who could take the title off of her? As of right now, I think... Hikaru Shida has held this belt since Double or Nothing, I believe. So that's about, give or take, four months? Four, five months, give or take? I, I could be entirely wrong. Someone will fact check me. I'm kind of going off the top of my head here. So, it's hard to say who is someone who could potentially carry the women's division who isn't Shida at this point. Sure, you've got talent like Serena Deeb, who's under contract, who's currently the NWA Women's Champion. But nobody really has that sort of babyface fire or general likeness from the crowd like Shida at this point. I mean, maybe this would have changed if we had some of the other wrestlers who weren't region locked or specifically injured at this point. As of right now, there isn't really anyone apart from, as I've already said, Big Swall, who I can kind of see being a babyface up-and-comer. So, with that in mind, I think we should probably just go on to the first person who I think would be a good view for Shida at this point. And it's one that arguably should have happened at this year's Full Gear. Uh, Thunder Rosa. I think that, since it's now been confirmed, I don't believe she's signing with WWE. Otherwise, she wouldn't have appeared at full gear, that I reckon she's going to take the belt off of Serena Deep, and then we're going to get, like, a champion versus champion type of feud. I I don't see why you wouldn't put the belt back on Thunder Rosa if the whole idea of taking the belt off her was potentially a way of writing her out of, like, working in AEW or the NWA in case she did sort of debut in WWE. Thunder Rosa is still, like, this incredibly young talent. I think she's 23, 24. Something around that. And just... I feel like when they were setting up their initial match at All Out, it was meant to be kind of like how... Not of the same match quality, before I say this, but of, like, a Shawn Michaels Hulk Hogan type of situation. Basically, the best of the best of both divisions kind of having a series of matches. That's kind of how I initially sort of viewed what this would kind of be. Not necessarily this sort of 
blood feud, but kind of proving that your division is the strongest division. It's brand supremacy. <laughs> it's the brand supremacy just up until Survivor Series. Convenient, right? It's something where you don't necessarily have to have Hikaru Shida win all of the matches to be credible. Like, you can have it where she has a match for the NWA Women's Championship and loses to Fonderosa, you know, build up the credibility of both belts. And then have this title unification match. Why a title unification match? Because I just kind of want to see the AEW Women's World title get a redesign because it's a very small belt. It it shouldn't be that small. Like, you look at you look at the women's championship for WWE, and it's pretty much the same size, if not equivalent, to the World Heavyweight Championship. And you look at the AEW women's title to the world title, it looks it looks like there's kind of been some favoritism there, and I'm not saying that there has or hasn't been, that's just kind of my basic assumption. But I feel like if there's any time to really sort of redesign the belt and give it the women's division a type of reset, it could be through having a feud with the NWA Women's Champion, whether it be Thunder Rosa, or if it somehow happens that Serenity retains the title. You can sort of essentially reset the division and really start to build some of these sort of rookies that they've been starting to build on Dark and that they've been starting to build on AW Dynamite. Like, in fact, that kind of goes on to the next person who I've been thinking about because I feel like it, she's been so enraptured with a feud with Brandy Rhodes that I'm I'm curious to see what Anna Jay could do in a higher position in the card. Kind of in the similar way that Penelope Ford was booked. You know, back when she got a pinfall victory over Hikaru Shida and had that really underrated match at Fighter Fest. I think probably one of the best matches of that sort of two-week period of special events. That was such a fun match. Like, the spot with a kendo stick where uh, she threw it up in the air and just hit Kit Sabian over the head with it. <laughs> and then just continuing to have this very fun sort of competitive match just easily the best match that Penelope Ford has ever had. And I feel in the same way that that was the best match that Penelope Ford has had, we can have the best match that Anna Jay's likely had. And plus, you've got the factor of the Dark Order, who's essentially, throughout AEW Dark and AEW Dynamite, has slowly and slowly been gaining numbers and having this big sort of sense of control over the show. Uh, Anna Jay as a character has kind of been portrayed as not really like Brody second in command, but someone who should like be threatened with. Even like BTE, she's seen as constantly beating up Stu Grayson. She's seen as like the deadpan serious character, which most of the Dark Order isn't really. Like, I love John Silver, but he's not portrayed in the same aura as Anna Jay. And when you look at that, you got to imagine they have some sort of big plans for it. Anna Jay was originally trained by Cody. I'm guessing that if there's anyone who supports Anna Jay backstage, it would be Cody Rhodes. I assume that she's kind of a pet project. Like, she's already had a program with Brandy Rhodes, who... 
whatever you think of Brandy Rhodes, she is considered someone high up in that sort of like AEW hierarchy. So they clearly trust her with that. And putting her in the Dark Order kind of really protects her in a significant way. Because it gives her this sort of additional muscle and character growth that most of the AEW women's division doesn't really have at this point. So imagine, hypothetically speaking, in this feud, say if they're swapping the belts for a bit. Think of it similar to a la Cody Rhodes losing the belt to Brody Lee. Anna Jay holding that belt brings a whole new world of possibilities. It brings the whole Dark Order into the mix, which immediately, in a babyface's perspective, is amazing because it gives an opportunity to have these badass babyface moments. Hikaru Shida has a bloody kendo stick that she rarely uses, that she only uses for an entrance. And her whole storyline before winning the title was Nyla Rose is like, I got your kendo stick, smack. So why not use that in there? Because, like, a kendo stick would be a really good way to get her over. Have her, like, freaking knock out members of the Dark Order who aren't really that high up in the group, like, five and ten. Maybe Alex Reynolds. I don't want her to knock out John Silver, but that's my John Silver bias. But if you want, you can have her knock out John Silver. And, you know, have this bit where Hikaru Shida's just, like, chasing after the belt from Anna Jay. Like, she has to get through these army of men, and which she does like an absolute badass. Kind of like how she was portrayed with the Penelope Ford thing, where it was like, Penelope Ford was at ringside, and then she beat a woman in, like, five seconds. To me, that just seems really fun. And then you kind of add this sort of badass nature to Hikaru Shida. You build up Anna Jay as having this almost unstoppable army behind her. And, you know, you give Anna Jay a chance in the spotlight, which I think they're planning to do at some point. you got to imagine that once this whole Brandy Rhodes, Anna Jay stuff is sort of sorted, because they've quietly been giving her a lot of victories and really sort of building up that sleeper hold finish that she has you got to imagine at some point they're going to, like, address it in some sort of ranking system. Or at least hopefully. Another thought I had, because it's, admittedly, it's something that they set up on Dark. It's a thing that's kind of been there for a long time, but hasn't really been addressed since she hasn't had many matches on main AEW television. It's Abaddon. Like... For those of you who don't know who Abaddon is, she is basically the, like, AEW equivalent of Rosemary, who is this kind of almost horror movie-looking character on their roster. Why is she used on television more? <laughs> She's legitimately creepy in her entrance, to a point where wrestlers are freaked out in the middle of the entrance and in the match. Abaddon's first match in AEW, I think people may or may not have forgotten this, was against Hikaru Shida. And Hikaru Shida throughout that entire match was absolutely terrified. To a point where even when she won the match, in which it took, I believe, two knee strikes to win, she was noticeably freaked out. Why hasn't this been touched upon or used yet? 
like this almost like horror movie character chasing after the world champion. And, you know, if you want to make this like a multi-month feud, I, you know, we're still in the COVID era. Cinematic matches aren't necessarily a bad thing. You can have this cinematic match where it's basically Abaddon chasing down Hikaru Shida and it's a story of Hikaru Shida trying to face these fears. Maybe you want to add stuff that's kind of like personal to her character. Uh, like maybe she attacks Hikaru Shida's brother because Hikaru Shida's brother... Fun fact, I could be entirely wrong on this, but this is what I mainly remember. Uh, made Hikaru Shida's entrance music. I don't know where Hikaru Shida's brother is. Maybe she's he's in Japan. I don't know. But that could be a fun sort of like personal way to add into this. And you've got this thing where he's, she's trying to do this for her brother, but she's also secretly really freaked out because Hikaru Shida was not originally a pro wrestler. She was an actress. You have this, like, former actress having to, like, fend for herself against this almost, like, demonic-looking being. And, you know, maybe in the first match you don't have to have a win. You don't have to have a pinfall victory or a loss for Shida or Abaddon. You can literally just have this... It's one of the very few ideas that I think you can have a no-contest finish initially. Because Abaddon's character is one of this horror being. Kind of... I wouldn't say similar to The Fiend, but they both have similar aspects. You don't want to necessarily just be Abaddon straight away. Especially if you're bringing her up to television. But at the same time, you want to keep your champion looking strong. And with the current AEW women's division that kind of lacks a sense of story, this feels like something where it's okay to have a non-finish, or even just like a time limit draw, just to kind of build to another match. And hell, if you want this other match to be brutal and violent and personal, make it a hardcore match. A hardcore match, not hardcore. Hardcore match or no holds barred, whatever you want to call it, a Abaddon street fight, and hell, just have Hikaru Shida just fighting for her life, not in the same way that, like, she's gonna completely destroy a Dark Order with a kendo stick, but one where it's just like, she's just trying to defend herself. Plus, you've got a lot of those, like, creative sort of, like, Abaddon spots, where you can just have her, like, be completely battered and blighted and almost just sort of no-sell some of the offense really treat her like your equivalent of a monster. I think, like, that's something that could be really fun. It kind of... Maybe it isn't necessarily the sports-like element that people are looking for in AEW, but it brings a sense of variety to the overall sort of, like, wrestling card. Because as much as I like Hikaru Shida and I love the AEW roster for the women's division, they potentially don't really have the star power to really compete with Kenny Omega or Cody Rhodes or the Young Bucks at this point. Like, I'm sure they could at some point, but at this current time, I don't believe that could happen. So the best way that I can see this kind of progressing is if they have a sense of variety with their wrestling. Another option, which is a person I think is probably most likely to take the belt off Rashida as sort of like a character standpoint, I admit that I'm going through this stuff very quickly, is Britt Baker. 
Britt Baker as a character really does feel like AEW's sort of golden girl. Like, you hear about some of the stuff they were initially trying to push Britt Baker on as this dentist. She is a dentist that wrestles and also does all this other stuff. She's kind of an inspiration by doing kind of both of these things. It's a relatable trait. But in the world of pro wrestling, when has that ever worked? And I don't mean that as like a cynical thing. I mean it as like, why wouldn't people not like this? Like the last dentist that we had before Britt Baker was Isaac Yankum. <laughs> Dentists are not usually good guys in wrestling. <laughs> and to AEW's credit, they, they sorted it out in the end. She eventually turned heel. She had her nose broken by Hikaru Rashida. We're bringing it back. And that kind of feels like the jumping on point for this. Like, remember the whole bit in like AEW's bit where they were talking about how Britt Baker having this conspiracy about how she was not getting a title shot and how the fact that she got injured, whether it be because of Hikaru Shida, Aubrey Edwards, or just Tony Schiavone. <laughs> Who knows? And it begs the question, why have we not had a Britt Baker title match since, what, the match against Riho? Like, she's easily one of the most sort of well-focused characters in AEW's division. And considering how she started to really, like, embrace sort of the heel persona that she has, why hasn't she been put in a program with Shida yet? Just, maybe you can argue it's AEW trying to be patient, I don't know. Because I feel like Britt Baker would have kind of a, a need in this type of storyline to break Shida's jaw? <laughs> Is it just me? Like, almost like an eye for an eye thing? Because... Sheeta accidentally broke her nose, and now she just wants to, like, break her jaw. Her whole finishing move is called the locked jaw. <laughs> she literally opens your mouth. <laughs> Almost like she's trying to, like, snap it open. Hell, if you're going to do this, feud, you want to make it personal? Have it be, maybe, like, Hikaru Shida has a match against uh, Red Velvet. We're going to say Red Velvet, or Tay Conti. Wins that match. Britt Baker interferes, has this big brawl, but she eventually gets the bear of her with the help of Rebel. And then she applies the lockjaw, and if you want to really get over the lockjaw, I like this idea a lot. You have her, inadvertently, because she is a dentist, take out one of her Karashida's teeth. You can gimmick that. And just have it be that he, she's almost like gone into this like deranged state since she's just taken out a tooth. You know, like how... Uh, Barbara Ray Dudley, when she put uh, Mae Young through a table, had this, like, incensed trance. Replicate that with Brit. Do that and really add to this, like, thing where it isn't just about the title. This has gotten personal. Because AEW storylines for women don't really have that personal element yet. We've all had just competitive matches. But we've seen with some of the most successful feuds in AEW right now, the Hangman Page stuff... With Kenny Omega, uh, FTR versus the Young Bucks, there has to be a sense of personal element if you want to get viewers invested. And maybe at this point, you can move them out of that near-ending slot. Say what you want about AEW's women's division, and if you don't think they have a lot of talent or not, they've been put in a really unfortunate position where they're always the second-to-last match on the card. 
the point where viewers, if you've seen any of the like viewer analytics, are at their lowest. AEW needs to put more investment, I feel, into having female exposure on their programming. And I'm not necessarily saying that as a critique of the wrestlers themselves. I just think they've been put in the unfortunate position where they're usually after a Chris Jericho segment or they're after a Kenny Omega Hangman Page segment, which are some of the most like emotionally draining parts of an episode of AEW. The perfect spot, I think, if you want to showcase them is kind of ironically kind of like what WCW used to do with the Cruiserweight division. Have them be on first, or even not first, maybe second from first. Have them be that kind of near opening thing to build to a Kenny Omega segment or an MJF in the inner circle segment. Something to really emphasize that this women's division is a lot more than what you're currently presenting it at the moment, which is kind of the second from last thing before the main event. And I understand that maybe placement orders are varied, and you don't want to necessarily put everything on at once. But with the strength of AEW's product, I don't believe this would really damage AEW Women's Division's perception, let alone their big money-making segments that they have at the moment. Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida are probably the most well-built characters in that women's division. You look at Hikaru Shida from her beginnings on AEW Dynamite, kind of starting to build herself up as this organic babyface, versus Britt Baker, who over time has really developed her character, especially with, like, character interactions with Tony Schiavone. If you want, maybe even add in, like, a biased referee because she's a dentist. You could say she has a lot more money than everyone else. She constantly brags that she's a dentist. Why not have, like, a biased referee? Think a la Eva Marie. And have Hikaru Shida just constantly fighting the odds. Because right now, Hikaru Shida, as much as I like her as the AEW Women's Champion, lacks that sense of, like, overcoming the odds as, like, this valiant champion. The closest I had to her generally feeling like she could lose the title was against Thunder Rosa. And that was kind of a coin toss because we all believed that there was going to be a second match in that series. For me, Britt Baker versus Hikaru Shida should be the pinnacle of AEW's current women's division. Your strongest heel character versus your strongest babyface character. It doesn't have to be this thing that you draw out for over a year on Dark and then you put in a couple of things on television. Really build it up as a big deal. Emphasize their finishes or kind of like what they did for... Uh, I'm trying to think, the some of the big, like, world title matches where they emphasize, like, their weight, their win-loss record, like, AEW already does that with their win-loss record, but not anything else, like, maybe the amount of times they've won with a knee strike, or they've won with the lockjaw, injuries sustained during the build-up, little things like that to get the audience just a little bit more cued in on the type of wrestlers that they are. Because even if it's just a little bit of information like, oh, they've been having a lot of lingering injuries, that tells us something about them. Yeah, I realise I kind of went on a massive rant there, but I promise this is the last suggestion that I have. And this one, I'll admit, uh, came last minute because of events that have transpired. So the last person that I'll think of, and this one will be very short, is... 
well, whatever she decides to name herself. So I'm just going to call her as she is currently, because I don't know how long compete clauses are. Selena Vega. We don't know where Selena Vega will end up. Currently, she's been, as of right now, at the time of this recording, she has been released by the WWE. This could change, depending. Like, it's a shame that she was released. Uh, just considering the whole, like, situations with WWE's contracts and the way that they allow talent to use, like, Twitch and Cameo, which is a whole other discussion. I think that if she does not potentially re-sign, because I feel like you've still got to keep that factor in, think Drew Gulak. Remember, he was fired for, like, a day, and then he got re-signed because they were able to renegotiate. There's a potential possibility that that could happen. You never know. But if she does not sign, I feel like this would be a great shot in the arm for AEW, especially with their women's division at the moment. Say what you want about Selena Vega as a wrestler, but as a promo, she's absolutely fantastic. And you look at sort of AEW's women's division at the moment, they lack strong promos. They've got fun characters, but they lack strong promos. Hikaru Shida, bless her, she's learning English, and actually pretty good English considering. Uh, Britt Baker, she's finally coming into her own as a heel. Uh, Nyla Rose, uh, I'm a bit on and off with her. Uh, Chris Statlander, love her character, but promise could use a little bit more work. Selena Vega, I think, is absolutely brilliant in terms of promos, and even in wrestling ability. She, it's been discussed before, I gotta give credit to Fightful, that Selena Vega really did carry Monday Night Raw when the pandemic initially happened. Her, Andrade, Angel Garza, Austin Fury, they were guys who pretty much carried that whole show along with Drew McIntyre. And even then, like, when they split up, they really did rely on her to, like, carry the women's division against Asuka for that brief period during that sort of Night of Champions time. And they really did start to trust her. I thought once she was going to SmackDown that they were going to potentially add her into the Survivor Series team. So they're doing that whole story with Natalia. Of course, that thing didn't exactly happen. But in a division like AEW where their promo work is literally all elite, pretty much most of them, if not all of them, have fantastic promos. Someone like Selena Vega is a great addition to that women's division. And even then, Selena Vega hasn't really had much time to really, like, showcase her stuff in the ring. But she's been wrestling for over 10 years. Like, I still remember her as, uh, Thea Trinidad back in TNA with, uh, I can't remember the name of the tag team, but it was with, like, Hernandez, uh, some, the other guy who I can't remember. And, oh god, I can't remember the other person's name either, but it was in TNA. And she was, like, half of the knockout tag team champions. And so I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential with her. And I get the argument that, oh, she's a former WWE guy. That kind of feels like another mirror thing. You're just adding it to the top. But really think about it. In WWE, she was portrayed mostly as a manager. 
and most of her other credibility in terms of singles career wasn't really shown. In AEW, that's a completely fresh start, and against a person like Shida, Shida ultimately lacks that sense of promo ability. But with Selena Vega, you can really start to build that intrigue. It's it's a common thread I keep on saying with this, but the intrigue of promo ability. I feel I don't know why part of me feels like they would have really good chemistry together. It's just a guess, but I'm thinking with I feel like Selena could really sell Hikaru Shida's moves very fluidly. And it's always good to have another sort of like experienced wrestler on the roster, especially when a lot of your talent is new and kind of green. Green isn't necessarily a bad thing, but that just means that there's a lot of room to sort of learn something. And I feel like Selena Vega could really help teach and at least help a lot of this sort of younger talent, and at the very least, maybe even potentially carry the women's division. She's definitely got the promo skills for it, and I feel like working with Shida, you can definitely improve her wrestling ability. So yeah, that's kind of the basic thoughts I have for Hikaru Shida. Uh, it's all kind of just a general consensus of the women's division, because she is the AEW Women's Champion. But I feel like there's a lot of room to grow with it. I think... Sure, it's been a year, and you can argue that they should have had this stuff together by now. And sure, you can also argue that uh, pro wrestling talent for them have either been stuck on Japan or in other parts of the country, and you've also got severe injuries. But I still think that there's a chance for this division to get a lot better. And... I don't necessarily think it's the fault of the AEW Women's Champion. I just think it's a collection of just really bad timing and really not having the star power of the other divisions or even building up that star power. I feel like it's going to take a little bit more time until we start to really get that women's division that they were initially promising. So with that in mind, I believe that it's time for some fantasy fumble so if you're new to the podcast fantasy fumble is my weird wacky segment where i try and pitch the weirdest possible storyline that i can think in my head within a certain time limit and without further ado fantasy fumble will begin in three two one fumble LET THE DUMPSTER FIRE BEGIN! Right, so, uh, we we begin with Hikaru Shida, and she's, you know, she's training. She's training with that kendo stick because she always carries that kendo stick to the ring. Where it's like, she smacks it down to the ground. I, I don't know. And she, she's in having a match with Rebel. And, you know, shenanigans happen, and the match just ends up going to a cancel because Brett Baker interferes. And Hikaru, she's trying to defend herself. It's two on one. And so she grabs a kendo stick, and it's just smack. She smacks Brett Baker. But then she tries to smack Rebel. She goes for another hit. But Rebel catches it with her teeth. She counters the kendo stick shot and knocks down Hikaru Shida. It's at this point that we see Hikaru Shida at a loss for words. A loss 
at the fact that her kendo stick shop was counted. A thing that took out Nyla Rose. A thing that took out other wrestlers. I don't know. And in this point, she trains. Almost in an anime style montage, we get this training sequence of her hitting kendo sticks over people on BTE, on <laughs> on AEW Dark, she starts hitting it over uh, Stu Grayson because he's in the way because Anna Jay was there for some reason. Uh, hits it over John Silver because Johnny was hungry and he was looking for people to recruit to the Dark Order. She also hits it over, conveniently, Brandy Rhodes. And so Brandy Rhodes looks at this. She sees, like, I know what's going through your head. You've lost your crisis of confidence. So I'm going to show you one way of training. The American Nightmare way. So she's taken to the Nightmare Factory, the place where Cody Rhodes trains. And so he starts training. She starts hitting kendo stick shots after kendo stick shots against incredibly athletic and young talent, catching it with their teeth. Because all of their teeth are just so good compared to the others because as we know, Dr. Brick Baker is a dentist. So by proxy, Rebel has fantastic teeth. So we keep training. She keeps hitting people with kendo sticks until she breaks one of the student's teeth. It's at this point in the next pay-per-view, Revolution. It's for the AEW Women's Championship. It's Rebel versus Hikaru Shida. And of course, in this match, it's already been built up that Rebel is ready. She's finally started to learn some wrestling moves. She starts getting a lucky win after lucky win as Hikaru Shida gets disqualification loss after disqualification loss, training her kendo stick for the eventual hardcore match. It's at this point that we wonder to ourselves, what do we do? What do we see from Hikaru Shida? We see a fantastic match between her and Rebel, with all the dentist-themed things getting in the way. Uh, uh, syringes like in the match between Big Swall and Britt Baker. Uh, those snapping teeth things. Uh, the the weird teeth sweets that you can buy. I don't know. And as this happens, we see Hikaru Shida get the kendo stick. She tries to hit Rebel. She dodges. She nearly gets a pinfall over Hikaru Shida, but she counters. She hits the knee strike again and again and again. She ain't done. She's not done because as Britt Baker's out there, she says it to her. You can't break those teeth. I'm a dentist. I've broken those teeth before, and I know what can happen to them. I can fix them. You'll never break those teeth. So Hikaru Shida grabs her kendo stick. She stares into Britt Baker's eyes, and she says, Oh my lord, Shinderu. And Rebel, of course, shouts, Nani. She starts smacking her over with the kendo stick again, and again, and again. Until one tooth breaks, another tooth breaks, and another tooth after that. And she looks at Britt Baker, and she says, Yatta, and drops the kendo stick and hits a knee to the face. She goes for the cover. One, two, three. Hikaru Shida wins, and through the power of a significantly useful training arc, Hikaru Shida has won the match. She's won the battle, and she's proven that her kendo sticks can win the war. And so she looks at Britt Baker. She is the only champion. She is the Sheeta champion. 
And as Britt Baker tries to recover the teeth and fix Rebels, she realizes that she can't. It's all too late. The teeth have been completely shattered by the kendo stick. It's at this point that we all realize at the end of this match, the Akara Shida isn't just any Shida. She's a holy Shida. Huh. Well, that, that's a way to end an episode. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, that's kind of the end of the show. Not much really to say other than I I really enjoy Hikaru Shida as champion. I hope that she has a very strong reign with the belt. If she's to have the belt taken off of her, I hope that it's given a lot of credibility. That's just kind of the general consensus. I feel like AW's women's division, as we've all kind of established, kind of just needs some more time, just more exposure to really get the attention that I feel like AW wants it to have. And I feel like there's good signs of that. Like, the, uh, the calls, the calls, Jesus, the, uh, the media scrums with Tony Khan when he was talking about how he realized that as much as he's so focused on Dark, not everything happens on Dark. Like, all the story progression needs to also happen on Dynamite. So, I'm remaining optimistic. And so, with that, I just want to say thank you all for listening. And I hope all of you have a lovely day. Uh, my name is Connor, and you've been rossing... Rossing? Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ross. So, in case this is your first time watching this, uh, we recently hit over 100 downloads. So, uh, I've already said it before, but I want to say thank you to everyone. Because I... Honestly, when I started doing this podcast, I never thought I would ever get to a number like that. So it's it's really weird knowing that people actually listen to me <laughs> ramble about wrestling for about 30 to 50 minutes. And honestly, I couldn't be willingly making this content without the support of all of you. So I hope all of you are staying safe and all of you having a lovely day. And yeah, that's <laughs> that's kind of it. I'm I'm still marveling over the number. <laughs> I hope all of you enjoyed the show, and remember everyone, wrestling can always use just a little bit more fiction. See you everyone! Good night everybody! <laughs>